You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hello, posse of possibly pogoing possums. This is Good Job Brain, your weekly quiz show and offbeat trivia podcast. Today's show is episode 31, and of course, I'm your humble host, Karen, and don't panic, we are your panoramic panel of pandas and pangolins with panache and Pantone pants. <laughs> awesome. I'm Colin. I'm Dana. And I'm Chris. And let's jump into our random Trivial Pursuit card segment, Pop Quiz Hotshot. Here I have a card, and here we go. Get your barnyard buzzers ready. Blue Wedge for Geography. What part of the car does a British person call the bonnet? (laughs) Uh, The hood. Correct. The hood. Pink Wedge for Pop Culture. (laughs) In the Karate Kid, the boys who beat up Daniel belong to what dojo? (laughs) The Cobra Kai dojo. Cobra Kai, do or die. Yes, that's (laughs) it. Yellow Wedge. What narcotic substance caused a series of wars between England and China in the 19th century? Oh, Dana. Opium. Correct. (laughs) Colin got excited. I thought the question was over. (laughs) Uh, Purple Wedge. What French-born sculptor created the immense Maman spider? Hmm. Seen pictures of that before. Rodin. Incorrect. Maman spider? Maman? Mame, like mom, like mommy spider. Oh. It's like the big spider out in the plaza. Huh. It is Louise Bourgeois. Oh. Now you know. I have to look that up later. Green wedge for science. What is both a shade of blue and a type of bean? <laughs> Chris. Navy. Navy. Correct. Navy beans and navy blue. Orange wedge, last question. What event did Lance Armstrong describe as the hardest physical thing he'd ever done? Uh, winning the Tour de France. Incorrect. Oh, oh, yeah. right. like a trick. Beating cancer. American Gladiators. <laughs> no, it is the New York City Marathon. Oh, oh. right. Yeah, he did a lot of marathons and triathlons, too. All right. Wow, that's kind of weird that we had that question about the color blue Hmm. and beans, because that is our topic for this week, which is colors. (laughs) Minding my business when love came and hit me in the eye. Flash, bam, alakazam, out of an orange colored sky. That would be a good show, actually. So I want to start off uh, our color talk with, what's your favorite color? Or or what's your favorite color name? Mm. My favorite color name, just because it's fun to say, is vermilion. Vermilion? Vermilion, which is that really awesome shade of red. It's kind of orangey. It's it's called, like, China red. Like, that that really classic Chinese red. Oh, okay. That's vermilion. And it comes from uh, minerals. It comes from cinnabar. But it's just fun to say, vermilion. Cinnabar. Cinnabar, like a Cinnabon. Yeah. Uh, my favorite color and color name is chartreuse. Mm, that's a good and one. And it's a green, yellow. It's kind of like the color of olive oil, I guess you'd describe it. And chartreuse is named after the liquor mm. chartreuse, which I also enjoy. Um, <laughs> it's very herby. It's like a supposed 
supposedly it's made out of like 130 different herbs that are fermented in secret ways or whatnot. In French ski resorts, they actually have a special beverage that they serve. People like hot chocolate. They actually put some chartreuse in it, mm. and they call it the green chaud, which is the hot green. Mm. Huh. And it's hot chocolate with a bit of chartreuse, so it warms you up, and it gives it that extra kick. I, this isn't my favorite color, but I... The story is really gross, and I feel like sharing it with you guys. Oh, good. Yeah. Puce, which is like a purplish brown color, is named for the word, French word flea. Mm. Oh, like like flea market is La Marche de Puce. Marche de Puce, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But the reason why it's a purpley brown color is because it's named for the blood stains or the <laughs> or the like fecal flea stains on on sheets and bed linens and the, the droppings the droppings of I guess fleas. pretty gross it is pretty gross <laughs> yeah is. so you know if you have fleas or bed bugs because your sheets have those marks on it Ew. it's funny because like for me like puce it just it seems like it has such high class connotations I don't know but flea poop. Well, you know, over the course of researching this episode, I actually became very interested in the story of the color, or the pigment, rather, Prussian blue, Mm. um, which is a really interesting, like, historically important color, which, and I will get to that later. Mm. Oh, what a tease. Mm. Stay tuned. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let me ask you guys a question. Let me pose a question for you. What do cheddar cheese and flamingos have in common? I've seen this on a Laffy Taffy. They're Hold delicious. As, yeah, aside from being <laughs> delicious. Both of them. I guess, are they Are they both neon? Sure. They are. You're sort of on the right track. They're not what, really that color? They are not really that color is the closest to what I'm looking at. Huh. Okay. There are two things that are so known for being a, a cheddar cheese is just orange. That's yeah. what we know. And flamingos, would... they're just they're pink. They're so identified with our color. But Dan is you know, on the right track. Neither one of them is naturally the color that we associate okay no. yeah. <laughs> I, well i eat a lot of cheddar cheese and it's it's white <laughs> so it's off white so yeah naturally ch- cheddar cheese is anywhere from white to kind of yellowish white yeah. you know like like most cheeses are mm-hmm. it sort of varies over the course of the year like depending on how much how much uh, beta carotene basically is in the cow's diet in the cheese uh, so oh. cows cows that are eating fresher greens and fresher grasses in in the summer and spring milk produced then will be a little bit yellower a little bit more orangey but it's not like the neon orange that we associate with cheddar cheese no one's exactly sure exactly why cheesemakers started adding more and more pigment. The one most common theory seems to be that it was just so they could have a, a consistent color throughout the year. That makes sense. But it became sort of this cycle of consumers started expecting orange in cheddar cheese, so the cheesemakers started adding more orange, right. and so it's sort of gotten this feedback loop. More that, orange means it's yeah, better. more orange means yeah. it's more authentic. And <sighs> it, there is nothing in the process of making cheddar cheese that really makes it orange mm-hmm. the way that we have it. Yeah, so uh, these so, like, days... You're orange, you're my socks on. <laughs> Wait, hold on. So, first off, the natural yellowiness it of just, the cheese is right. from the diet. Right, it's from the diet of the cows. Okay. And it's like the, mm-hmm. the butter fat, basically how much beta carotene, which is the stuff that makes carrots orange, for mm-hmm. example, how much of that, those kind of substances get Okay, into so cheese. if I had a cow uh-huh. and I force fed it only carrots, uh-huh. so the, the milk and the cheese would be really, really orange. <laughs> it You're would be telling me that you would assuming, have a higher yeah, level. That's assuming right. the okay. cow stays alive during all <laughs> yeah, of this. Yeah, 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 on the all carrot what diet. If, what if you fed it Skittles? Would it be like oh, rainbow? rainbow? It would be cheese. rainbow. It'd every, be rainbow actually, cheese. every um, teat on the udder would produce a different color <laughs> yes! of milk. That sounds good. That's like a Willy Wonka <laughs> cow. That's a total awesome. Willy Wonka okay. cheese, exactly. Like, and, ne- like Neapolitan cheese. So after that, then dairy people are adding orange color right, to right. 
right. cheese. And it just addition. sort of more and more and more. And I mean, you know, throughout the 1800s, it really, by that time, it had just become a thing that cheddar cheese, by and large, was orange. And people knew it was artificial. It wasn't like they thought that it was uh, somehow native to the process. Huh. Uh, but yes, but so eventually, I, that knowledge was lost. Because well, <laughs> as, as people become more and more disconnected from the food that they eat, you don't really think about the process right, anymore. Right, yeah, right, right. So you start to think, oh, uh, oh, yeah, it's orange. Well, there must be some reason why it's but orange. But so like you say, yeah, you go and buy the white cheddar. That's actually, you know, more natural or more normal. But it's not some new process of making cheddar cheese. Right. They just don't put in the orange coloring, which Good it branding. is. It is. Yeah. It's what customers come to expect. That's right. Yeah. right. And now you're going to blow our minds about flamingos. So flamingos, you know, uh, they eat a lot of cheddar cheese. And so, <laughs> <laughs> so flamingos, the no. circle of life. <laughs> Sponsored by Kraft. Flamingos get their pink color from their diet. And when you go see flamingos at the zoo, they give them a special diet that's loaded with the ingredients that cause them to turn pink. And get, basically, no. basically what it is, is again, it's like beta carotene. It's a carotenoid that they get from the shrimp. So mm-hmm. flamingos eat shrimp and the shrimp, the carotenoids, when they dissolve in the flamingo's body fat and then make their way out into the feathers and their, in their face, it turns pink. And you can see the same phenomenon. Like when you're cooking shrimp, this is what's happening. This is why shrimp turn pinkish orange when you cook them is the, the carotenoids are dissolving and changing color. And so if you, and so they found that if you don't give them like the right diet that's rich in uh, these carotenoids, they'll they'll get kind of dull and really kind of pale colored feathers. Shrimps get all (laughs) All up in your body. The shrimp get up in their grill. Oh my God. I'm scandalized. And not only flamingos, but salmon as well. They keep farm raised salmon on a special diet to keep them that pinkish orange hue because otherwise consumers just expect it. Like you saw like if you saw like grayish kind of whitish salmon like, no, you'd be like oh this salmon. is gross. Yeah. Right. Something's wrong with yeah. the salmon. So to sort of replicate the color they have in nature they have to give farm salmon and flamingos in, uh. in zoos they have to like supplement their diet to make sure they keep the color that people expect them when they come to see them. Oh, oh. man. So cheddar cheese to flamingos circle of life. <laughs> <laughs> When we're researching about colors, I was like, oh, you know, it's such a broad topic. And the number one burning question I had uh, when you talk about colors is chameleons. Like, oh. it's synonymous with, oh, changing colors. It's true. Like, chameleons do, and, and several other animals, do have the ability to change color. But my question is, how does it do it? Yeah, like, how does it know? How what does... is the science behind it? Mm. The, so there are three reasons. Chameleon is a large family. There are different subspecies and living in different conditions. So they all change colors for different reasons and in, into different colors. It's not every chameleon can turn into super green or super red. Um, but mostly there are three reasons why they do change colors. Number one is... They're uh, socially or emotionally signaling something, right? Mm-hmm. If they're if they're into a, a lady chameleon, or mm-hmm. you know, if you're a lady chameleon trying to flirt with a male chameleon, you'd want to pretty up yourself. Mm-hmm. So that's like one of the examples. Or you know, if they're being territorial and be like, "Hey, this is my tree, get away." Um, they do a lot of these social cues that kind of emit how they're feeling. Like different you know, colors map to different things yeah. you mean. So not all chameleons can change into the, the, the same colors, but mostly if it's like the reddish hues, they're, they're really excited. So the second reason why they also would need to change color is for camouflage reasons. Right, and right. we see that a lot, you know, from green and if they're on a stick or a bark, they turn into brown. Mm-hmm. And the third reason is for thermal regulations. A lot of chameleons live in the desert. Mm-hmm. And so in the morning, when it's really cold, they turn black ah, or dark colors sure. to absorb more of the heat. Ah, that's interesting. This is how it works. So the skin of the chameleon 
is translucent. It is transparent. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the skin. Underneath the skin, there are layers of, of different cells, and they're called chromatophores, which contains pigments. Certain species have different makeup, but this is kind of the general basic chameleon. So the first upper layer beneath the transparent skin has a yellow and red pigment cells. Mm-hmm. And the layer beneath it are usually blues and, and whites. And then the layer underneath that, the most inner one, contains pigments that are darks or browns or blacks. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is whenever the brain triggers their skin for whatever reason, whether if it's thermal regulation or if they're excited or if they want to mate, these cells would contract or expand. Mm-hmm. And so the combination of these different layers mm. will show the color it's like putting different colored gels in front of a light exactly <laughs> and it's it's to have a really highly pigmented color it's just all of these cells are expanded to the max they're red just only the red and all the other layers are contracted right mm-hmm. and so it's kind of the play of all these different layers of course there are more special species of chameleons that have a uh, different shapes of these cells so you know, maybe this color is more predominant and, right. and whatnot. But yeah, usually that's how it works. And you it's got your of... HD chameleons, which have a <laughs> lot more uh, pixels per inch. Yeah, the, the 1080 yeah. chameleons. <laughs> the funny thing is scientists haven't really figured out yet whether or not chameleons are aware. That's my even, question is, yeah. Are, we don't are even they... know if they're aware that they're changing colors, that they're controlling it in a way. Or mm-hmm. if something just says, you know, go into fear mode now, hide mode, and it automatically changes yep. color just based on what they're sitting against. So, now, tell me, Karen, is it true that chameleons do run on karma? Or is that just a rumor <laughs> that I Oh, you know, I believe some okay. species all right, do. All right, yeah. in the wild. Yeah, karma chameleons. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so nerdy. We're so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> you are. <laughs> okay, so I have a feeling this might be a lightning round type quiz. Oh, so you got a quiz for us? I have a quiz for you. It's about characters who have colors in their names. Mm. Oh. Right. Yeah. Okay. So the fictional boy detective from Donald J. Sobel's <laughs> series of children's books. Karen. Encyclopedia Brown. Yeah. <laughs> The Frightening Wife Killer from Charles Perrault's classic fairy tale. Oh. Uh, uh, oh! Uh, Bluebeard. Yes. Uh. Steve Buscemi's character from Reservoir Dogs. Chris. Mr. Pink. Yes. Willy Wonka Golden Ticket winner. <laughs> oh! Oh! Violet Beauregard. Yes. I thought it was like Charlie Bucket. Yeah, was yeah. Like, oh, wait, no, it's a color. No, it's, <laughs> Bucket's a color. <laughs> the antagonist from Robert Louis Stevenson's Treasure Island. Blackbeard. No. No. Uh, Long John Silver? Yes. Oh, oh, oh. Silver! Cato's crime-fighting partner. Green Hornet. Yes. Not but- Lantern. Horn. <laughs> Horn yeah, arrow. I was getting those Horn confused. Arrow. Yeah, I had to double, triple check that one. <laughs> the subject of Krista Berg's 1986 pop hit. Krista Berg. Krista Berg. Oh, oh my man. gosh. The lady in red. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> She's dancing with me. <laughs> cheek to cheek. The music hating invaders of Pepperland in The Yellow Submarine. The Blue Meanies. Yes. Baroness Amushka Orsky's classic play and adventure novel. Hmm. Red. Blue. Blue. Yellow. 
Sound it out. Sound it out. <laughs> Any hints? It's a kind of red in the name. The Scarlet Pimpernel? Yes. Ah, yes. And then this was Daffy Duck's character in a parody of the Scarlet Pimpernel. Oh, jeez. Oh, Scarlet <laughs> Pumpernickel. Yes. yes. Oh, Scarlet oh, Pumpernickel. Oh, yes. Pull yeah. it out of my butt. Good job. Because <laughs> it sounds like the bread. Without buzzing in. Oh, sorry. I know. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I was so excited. Good job, you guys. Yeah. So I started thinking about colors and Good. and, and <laughs> sat down That's with a graphic designer friend and started just talking about colors in general. She's just like, well, you know, what happens when you layer, you know, red and blue and green lights on top of each other, right? I'm like, ah. Uh, they become white. Like yeah, white right, yeah, because white is every color, right. right? The spectral colors, which are the colors that come out of one particular wavelength of light. And this, of course, the mnemonic is Roy G. Biv, one of the most famous mnemonics. For the rainbow, right. For the rainbow. For the rainbow, but the, it, that is the spectrum of visible colors. We think of things like purple as being a color, but it's not. That the, the color in English is described as violet, violet. Mm-hmm. right? The color mm-hmm. violet is described on the spectral color. And in, in color theory, the, the purples are combinations of spectral colors. It's like um, a range. Right. Purple is a range of colors. Huh. Do you want to mm-hmm. say what Roy G. Bev is? In case oh, yeah, just know? to throw that out there. Yeah. Um, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet. Now, in later years... Now, that was actually Sir Isaac Newton who first put all those down. Now, again, this, it's kind of arbitrary yeah. because the spectrum of, of light is continuous. You could demarcate Inf- them anywhere. Yeah. Right. But they went ahead and picked out those colors as... Uh, uh, points on the line. Yeah. And then this got me thinking about how the fact that purple isn't a color. Now, of course, you might also say purple is a color, you know, because right. who is the authority <laughs> saying that yes. it's not? Yeah. But on the spectral color line, purple is not defined as one of the colors that is only produced by one wavelength. Spectral color theory, the purples are defined as any color that is a mix of violet and red, I think, on the other end. And, and anything in between those are the purples. The, uh, another interesting thing is the use of, like, our computer monitors are red, green, blue, mm-hmm. right? Every pixel is just a red light, a green light, and a blue light in varying intensities to produce every color in the rainbow. Those three colors can be used, and they can be used to produce, you know, black. But in printing, that's not the case, right? Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. right. Um, in printing, it's... C-M-Y-K. Right, yeah. which is cyan, magenta, yellow, and K means black. Or There's key. A, or, right, yeah. K. Oh, or, yeah. Okay. Key or... the, w- the reason those colors are used is because you can print them on top of each other, right? right? So you can produce basically any color. You know, when I was a kid, and this is before my graphic designer profession, when I was mm-hmm. a kid, you know, on top of like cereal boxes or juice boxes, you'd see the print marks yeah, and you're yeah. like, what is the secret code? It's the like registration there's marks a and... pink and there's a oh, black yeah. and there's yep. a yellow and there's like blue. And you're like, what is this? And until I was older, I was like, oh... Those are the colors they use to print. And to make sure that their colors were coming out mm-hmm. correctly. And they have yeah. that little white circle with the black plus in the middle of yep. it. And that's their registration mark, isn't it? They're yeah. trying to line up yep. the prints so they, it won't uh, be off. Yep. It won't. Printing just fascinates me. Because when you look at, like when I was looking at CMYK prints, and it's like, you know, okay, well, here's the magenta, here's the yellow, here's the cyan. The and then here's the black. And then here's what they all look like together. And it's this like full vivid color photo, you know, but then like, you see the separations happen? and it's only these four colors coming together to make that it's like it really it really messes with your head it's like how is this possible 
magic. Magic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick break from colors, and we have a quick segment. And this is a pretty popular pub quiz thing. I'm pretty happy that we're doing this. And kind of inspired by our sponsor, Bonobos. And I'm going to call this segment Bunch of Bonobos. Here, love collective nouns of animals. Love them. Because they're so weird. Uh, some are maybe too good to be true. Uh, <laughs> I think a lot of them are very tongue-in-cheek when they were created. Yeah, poetic, too. Yeah, very like poetic. A, yeah. They're so fun. We've shared before in previous episodes, a group of cats is actually a clouder mm-hmm. of cats. And also a unicorn is a, a blessing of unicorn, though that is a little controversial. I still think that one's dumb. <laughs> Just I don't. think the better, you know, or like a lot of people love, like, our murder of crows yep. is a great yeah. one that a lot of people like. So we all picked a, a few of our favorites. I tried to look up for bonobos, and there actually was not a collective noun for bonobos. <laughs> so I think the bonobo scientist should, should decide on one. So, it's so, a sex cave. Well, yeah. <laughs> orgy. An orgy of bonobos. It's a Caligula of bonobos. <laughs> so the three I picked are rattlesnakes, jellyfish, and lobsters. Ooh. Oh, a group of rattlesnakes is called a Roomba. Oh. <laughs> a Roomba, a of vacuum. Wait, a, like the vacuum? Like the dance? Oh, like okay. a Roomba, a Roomba, yeah, a Roomba, U M B A. R H U M B A, a Roomba. Because oh, they are the wiggly. They're <laughs> yeah, they're dancing. It's true. Yeah, they're very sensual animal. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, they are, Colin. (laughs) Sure thing. Why are you backing away, Dana? (laughs) Yes, snakes are a central animal. (laughs) And a group of jellyfish is called a snack. Mm. A smack of jellyfish. I kind of just imagine, like, a jellyfish in my face. Smacking into you. Yeah. And a lobster, a group of lobster is called a risk. A risk of lobsters. You risk your hand when you put it in a risk of Could lobsters. Be. Risk of Maybe. lobsters. Could yeah, be. Some risky bisque. Oh, oh, I like that. We should make a soup company. <laughs> <laughs> and the store no. will be called Risky Bisque. No, Bisk-ness. no one will buy that. <laughs> it's like, is it contaminated? <laughs> Who knows? And some risky biscuits. That would be good. <laughs> well, I did some uh, some birds. I have an all bird rundown here. Birds, they have the best uh, names. And eagles. You guys know what a collection of eagles is? Is a Patriot. A convocation. Con- oh, I can imagine. So yeah, yeah. regal. It yeah. is very regal. A convocation. A bunch of, of Sam the Eagles, like yeah. in the room. Yeah, just so proud and yeah. just oh. upright somehow. Hmm. Pheasants is a bouquet of pheasants. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's sweet. I just imagine like a bunch of dead birds like tied together. <laughs> 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 With the cellophane wrapping around yeah. them. And a ribbon. <laughs> you better get these in some water right away. <laughs> uh, and, but this was my favorite, though, for owls. A parliament of owls. Oh, yes, I have heard that. I love that. It just yeah. seems so appropriate. Because they're wise. Yeah, you just see them kind of sitting there in judgment of you. I have some cutesy ones, too. A group of leopards is a leap. <laughs> a yep. leap of leopards. <laughs> A group of porcupines is a prickle. A prickle. <laughs> a prickle. That sounds too good to be true. It's prickle. poetry. You can call it whatever you want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then spiders, a group of spiders. Do you know what that is? Mm. 
a, no. a spackle of spiders. A spasm of spiders. It's a clutter of spiders. Oh, but it oh. makes sense. Like if you're cleaning out your garage and you have all that clutter, that's you move fair, it, and then you find true. a bunch of spiders. You're like, right. it's a clutter of spiders. You know these these names are not by and large. There's no scientific basis for these names. They're they're written by poets. You know, they're flowery language that have just sort of come into common acceptance. Uh, bores is a singular of bores. What? Um, that seems very really oxymoronic. You'd think. Apparently, what some people think it comes from is the French word for boar is sanglier. Oh. Uh, yep. I thought that was a really um, beautiful poem. Like, boys don't travel, uh, you know, with others. So it's, it's a singular you'll, you'll boar. Never That's walk so alone. Sad. That's a great yeah, right, right. <laughs> uh, An obstinacy of buffalo. Uh, which, I, which, again, I think is like if you see a group of buffalo, you're probably not going to be able to get them to do anything. Right. That, that was that named um, by somebody who has become familiar with yeah. buffalo. Uh, a surfeit of skunks. Surfeit. <laughs> surfeit. Yes. Which means so, a, a surplus. Even one is too many. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> that's no. I mean, that, that's what it is. Wow. Lots of great uh, potential T-shirt ideas there. <laughs> Parliament of owls. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you looking for a podcast that your whole family can enjoy that asks the deep philosophical questions like, do trees fart? If you are, then you'll love Tumble, a science podcast for kids. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Marshall. Join us as we explore stories of science discovery from butts to animals, dinosaurs, astronomy, and everything in between. You'll love these stories and you'll learn something new. Find and follow Tumble Science Podcast for Kids wherever you get your podcasts or at sciencepodcastforkids.com. All right, let's jump back into our color talk. I was going to research about colorblindness, but I kind of got sidetracked because I found out about heterochromia, mm. which is very, very also interesting. So I kind of gave up on colorblindness and decided to, to read up on this instead. So heterochromia is what happens when your eyes are two different colors. Oh. And it's not that rare because this trait is actually a dominant trait. Eye color, uh, meaning the, the iris, the color of the iris. And it's usually determined by the amount and concentration of melanin which is kind mm-hmm. of the pigment, either an excessive amount of melanin or uh, not enough melanin. So that's why it causes different colors. I have here a list of famous people <laughs> who have different colored eyes. This kind of blew my mind. So <laughs> I'm do a quick quiz. I'm going to name oh, no. uh, what they're known for. Okay. And you tell me the celebrity. You tell me name. their eye colors. <laughs> <laughs> this is hard. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. All right. Elwood Blues. Dan Aykroyd. Correct. Dan Aykroyd has brown and hazel eyes. Another weird 
mutant thing about Dan Aykroyd. He was born with webbed toes. Hmm. Oh. And it's called syndactyly. Huh. So he's a okay. merman. Syndactyly. Oh, okay. So he's syn is in like synthesis. And dact as in yeah, digits. And toes. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. That's for another show. Yeah. <laughs> but I read, I read a lot of other celebrities have web toes. Very common. Lord of the Dance. Oh. Michael Flatley. Correct. Michael yeah. Flatley. Lord of the Dance has one green and one blue mm. eye. Mm. Aristotle's famous Macedonian student. Chris again. Socrates? No. No. Pla Macedonian student. Uh, Plato? Uh, Alexander the Great? Correct. Alexander ah. the Great is rumored to have a hazel eye and a green eye. <laughs> and also there are rumors that he also tried to look for a horse that had, had different <laughs> eye colors too. Aww. I don't know how that went. Record producer... Bruce Dickinson, who puts on pants just like you, one pant leg at a time. But when he wears his pants, he makes gold records. Jesus. Oh, uh, is that from Wayne's World? What is that from? He also loves his cowbell. Oh. Uh, Christopher Walken. Correct. Christopher yes. Walken has the blue and hazel eye combo. Oh. Okay, this one's easy. Jack Bauer. Kiefer Sutherland. Correct. Kiefer Sutherland has blue and green eyes as well. Hmm. Ukrainian actress who voices Meg Griffin. <laughs> Colin? Mila Kunis. Yes. Mila Kunis has one green eye and one brown eye. Now I'm starting to wonder, like, do I have two different colored eyes? Because I haven't really checked for that, you know? No, they're the same color. <laughs> Sugar. Like, one, one, <laughs> one might be slightly different shade than the other. Okay. The most recent Montgomery Scotty Scott. Oh, uh, it's... Um, it was uh, Simon Pegg? Correct. Yes. Oh. Simon Pegg. His eyes are uh, blue-gray with brown areas. Huh. Uh, what about David Bowie? When's David Bowie happening? You're <laughs> <laughs> waiting for We know he's on this list somewhere. Yeah. So it is true. David Bowie, when you look at him, he does have one blue eye and one brownish eye. But actually, unlike these other celebrities, he wasn't born with it. Huh. He was actually born with two blue eyes. When he was younger, he was in an accident where oh. someone punched him. The fingernail kind of sliced. Ah! It grew and scarred. And so... Basically, his eye looks different, oh. not because he was born with two different color eyes, but because of an accident, unfortunately. Whoa. So there you go. That is a heterochromia, different colored oh. eyes. Lots of people have it, so <laughs> keep your eyes open. <laughs> well, you were talking about eyes and vision, and I want to talk to you guys a little bit about one of my favorite painters. I'm a big fan of Monet and the Impressionists in general. He was really one of the founders of Impressionism. In fact, Impressionism was named after one of his paintings. He had a painting called Impression Sunrise, oh, uh, which is where the term didn't came from. I know that. Yeah. So a little side bonus trivia there. Oh, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> but you know, I think it's important just to, you know, to note that like Impressionism was really all about the subjectivity of vision like and, and light. They were really concerned with like 
like, how do we see light? And, you know, I'm not painting things that exist in the world. I'm painting my perception of these things. Got it. And, you know, they're pretty scientific in that way. And so it was all about how different colors and different times of day could make things look different and how you'd experience them. So he's painting the way things look to him. I think he needed glasses. <laughs> like, like, they look blurry. Everything well, it's funny. Blurry. I mean, that was one of the yeah. criticisms of Impressionism is that why is it all blurry? And, you know, their answer was, well, it's the job of the camera to capture things looking perfect and sharp. You know, photography oh, was really starting to come onto the very scene. Handy very handy argument. And very they said, sassy. Yeah, yeah. it's we're capturing impressions. As Monet got older, he started developing cataracts. And his vision was getting worse and cloudier Uh-oh. and cloudier. And one thing that cataracts does is it kind of pushes your vision toward red. It kind of makes things huh. look a little bit redder and more orange because of it filters out wavelengths of light, as Chris was alluding to earlier. If you look at his paintings in the period as he's building up his cataracts, you can see that he's painting things a lot more reddish and more orange and more yellowy. Finally, sad. well, here's where it gets really interesting. So when he was 82, he finally decided to have surgery and they removed the lens on his left eye to to basically eliminate the cataract and eliminate the lens and and you can function perfectly well without a lens on your eye there's a condition for it actually called aphakia and people can be born without the lens and one of the things that this does is it doesn't filter out uv light anymore so if you have aphakia or have your lens removed the way monet did you can see ultraviolet light So you can become like a a butterfly or a honeybee or any animal that can see ultraviolet light and things fluoresce. What was really cool is to see his paintings after he had the lens removed. He's now sensitive to colors that people with normal vision can't see. Mm -hmm. So he would start painting the water lilies in sort of this bluish, almost glowing blue hue because that's how he saw them. Even though, you know, in normal, you know, quote, normal life, they're a lot more white and we don't see those blues. And so he had some really interesting paintings where he's kind of mixing one eye is seeing reddish yellowish cataract and mm-hmm. one eye is seeing the unfiltered uv light oh we should have took him to a cool. rave yeah <laughs> it would have mm-hmm. blown his 82 year old mind <laughs> yeah. because, because going back to what we we're talking about before like humans generally see light in three colors at a time right yeah. right humans and a lot of mammals we see in the same perceptual set and so he was opened up now to see things kind of the way insects could see wow. them. Yeah. Um, and it is really fascinating. You know, if you go online, you can find some examples of his paintings in his later life where you can really see, wow, this is him experiencing the world in a different way. And he was aware of this. But again, you know, so going back to what, how I sort of led into this, his whole goal with Impressionism is this is how I'm viewing the world. And it almost like underscored his whole point of that these aren't colors that are out there in nature for us to capture. This is experiential. Mm. Like us seeing happens in our eyes and in our brains. Well, I wanted to talk to you about another, you know, old master, obviously. So let me ask you guys this question. What medium, what artistic medium, its name is derived from the French words for chalk and oil? Crayola. Yes. yes. Crayon. <laughs> Crayola, originally released in uh, 1903, cost a nickel for a box of eight colors. Wow. Would you, li- would you guys working together like to come up with the eight original Crayola colors? Mm. Oh. Red. Yellow. We have red, yellow. Blue. Blue. Uh-huh. Green. Yep. Violet. Yep. Brown. Yes. Black. Black. Yes. White. No. No white. So recap, what do we have? All right, now you've got red, yellow, green, blue, violet, 
brown, and black. Orange. Yes. Ah. Orange. Not white. There was no white. It's okay. like Roy G. Biv plus black. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and brown. So, and can you guys name... So, there are now about like 130 or so Crayola crayons that you can buy. Typical Crayola crayon colors. And they cycle not counting, through some colors, not right? Not counting the crazy ones, uh, like the ones that are like metallic colored or things like that. Like yeah, the standard, you know, pigmented Crayola crayons. About 130, roughly. Can you name... All 100 (laughs) Go. Can you name uh, a color that has been retired? Because 13 of them so far have been taken out. I know one that's been retired. Mm -hmm. Flesh. Flesh. No. No. The color flesh is still available. It's just called peach now. Can you uh, name I thought that's what you were asking was color. No, names. I'm saying a color. Oh, like you can't the actual use the pigment. actual pigment color anymore. Just, uh, just name one. I'll, I can hmm. tell you all of them, but you know, burnt sienna is that still there? Uh, burnt sienna is still in there. Raw umber. Raw umber. Hey! Raw umber is one. I can't the name, I got that. the name is gone, and the the color is not. What you can't color? color anymore. It's a brown. It's a deep brown. It was a really brown. kind of rich dark brown. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Uh, maize. There used to be maize crayons. Oh. Is yes. that like a light yellow? No, like no, no. Corn. Like corn. It's like a golden, oh, like a golden rod. Yeah, it's, right. it's a super dark yellow. They retired these, and the first time they ever retired colors was in 1990, when they took eight original Crayola colors out of rotation, and actually people formed the uh, the Raw Umber and Maize Preservation Society, or RUMPS, <laughs> uh, to, to write in protest. Wait, are you... Is uh, that no, a seriously. joke? No, oh, no, that's, yeah. that's for real. I thought that was a Chris Collins joke. Nope, that was a group of people. RUMPS. Yeah, yeah, rumps. So in 1990, maize, raw umber, lemon yellow, blue gray, orange yellow, orange red, green blue, violet this. blue, a lot of combinations and halfway colors yeah. were, were taken. Were They're taken like, out. ah, you can do it yourself. Yeah. Um, so Crayola has renamed some of the crayons. There are three crayons that had been renamed for cultural sensitivity reasons or cultural reasons. Mm. So we've already Flash. covered one of them. They, yes, yes. Uh, can you name another? Another one that was that was named for that Oriental Red or something. You know, like actually, that. you're you're zeroing in on it. There Indian. was a color called Indian Red, uh, which had nothing to do with Native Americans. It was based on a type of pigment right. uh, that was so located in India. That's vermilion. The color I was talking about at the top of the show, mm-hmm. cinnabar vermilion, I believe, is that color. That Indian could very red. well be, yeah. be the case. Yep, but they've actually renamed it to Chestnut. Kids were coloring Native Americans with that color and saying, <laughs> "Oh, well, I'm using Indian Red because they're Indians." And it's <laughs> Yeah. Like, nah, that's not actually what that means, but okay. Uh, do, does anybody want to take a stab at possibly oh. the third one that was changed? Because it referred, in this case, to an outdated geopolitical area. Prussian, Prussian blue. blue. It is Prussian blue. <laughs> it's now called Midnight Blue. Prussia, of course, modern day Berlin. Berlin is located in what used to be Prussia. Blue. It's it's kind of hard to wrap your head around the idea that we didn't used to just be able to have anything in any color like we do now. Colors, pigments, dyes, the process for making those things used to be just extraordinarily difficult. And blue was just this really hard color to get. Now, apparently the Egyptians had figured out a way to synthesize a relatively low cost, relatively permanent, and that's the important thing. When it's exposed to sunlight, it right. doesn't disappear. Or if you wash it or something. Right. 
Egyptians had figured out a relatively permanent blue dye. Egyptian blue is calcium copper silicate. The Egyptians did not know that, but, you know. But they figured that if you, like, heat up grains of sand with other materials at really high temperatures, it would come out blue and you'd be able to pigment things with that. The knowledge of how to make that was lost along with the vast Egyptian kingdoms, right? And so for a while, for a good long while, nobody really knew how to make blue pigmentation that would actually look really good. Yeah. And Prussian blue is so historically important because it was the first time that they had synthesized something else, which is actually a uh, C18 FE7N18. Oh, of uh, course. Right, yeah, yeah, totally. Oh, N18. So, <laughs> mixtures of carbon, iron, and nitrogen, and that is essentially how they were finally able to create a, a pigment, and this was in the uh, the 1700s that they were able to get something that would actually last and for the sun. Do you know, this is the, the woodblock print from Japan that's so famous, everybody has seen this, it's uh, the Great Wave. Oh, mm-hmm. Just Hokusai's mm-hmm. The Great Wave. That was only made possible by the very, very, very recent importation of Prussian blue into Japan. Right, right. Prior to the making of that print, he would not have been able to make that print just a few years before, because in in Japan they called it um, Berlin blue. Whoa! And only the fact that they were able to start importing that so cheaply, he was Mm -hmm. able to use that for prints. And one of the first things that he did, that was one of the first major, like, uh, you know, works of art that was done with this amazing blue dye that's, you know, held up to this day because they were able to to put it all together. Wow! Yeah. 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 Man, I wish they would change the name back to Prussian Blue, because it's so me, important. Yeah, me too. I, I totally agree with you. After reading about Prussian Blue, it's like, it should be the color. It's that should a, be the name of the color. Name. It is, yeah. it is. Yeah. It's not, yeah, yeah. It's not that kids don't know what Prussia is. You don't need to know what Prussia is. You know, when you start reading about it, it's, it's a, a milestone. It yeah. is. It's a milestone in human history. You can spend less time staying in the know about all things gaming and get more time to actually play the games you love with the IGN Daily Update Podcast. All you need is a few minutes to hear the latest from IGN on the world of video games, movies, and television with news, previews, and reviews. You'll hear everything from Comic-Con coverage to the huge Diablo 4 launch. So listen and subscribe to the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. That's the IGN Daily Update, wherever you get your podcasts. And Dana, you have a last quiz segment for us? I do. I have a quiz for you guys. And this actually comes up in trivia occasionally for us. We have to know about wines. Oh, so oh, yeah. I think you guys are going to do well. I think Chris will do very Never well because he's a wine person. The res- Why no? The resident yeah. onophile. I have no palate for it. But here we go. <laughs> Let's see. Okay. So I want you to tell me if it's red or white. Oh. And so you have tokens. That's why I think you could do all right. Okay. Yeah. 50-50. 50-50. Yeah. Everybody has a white token and a red token. So I'll, I'll say the, the name. I've been practicing saying the names so you can hear that pronunciation (laughs) and then you tell me if you think it's red or white and we'll loosely keep score (laughs) okay well i'll start out easy and then get into slightly more obscure chardonnay karen says white colin says white chris says what yes cabernet sauvignon red 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 yep merlot everybody says red yes (laughs) i'm gonna start hiding my token oh yeah right (laughs) yeah Malbec. Everybody says red. Yes, it's red. (laughs) Muscat. They all say white. Yes, white, white, white. I only know this because there's a candy called 
muscat gummy. Yeah. And it's the white grape gummy. Yeah, it's like a dessert yes. wine. Yeah. It's one of those it really is. sweet white wines. Yeah. My Mus- favorite. Muscat delicious. gummy. Mm. Super juicy. <laughs> Chablis. Three whites. Yes. Woo. Man, you guys are drinking more wine than you think. <laughs> more knowledgeable <laughs> about wine. Tempranillo. Red, red, red. Yes. It, it's a black grape that makes red wine. Yes. Mmm. Viognier. <laughs> Viognier. Maybe I can read it. It looks this like out. it's spelled V I O G N I E R. Oh, why? Okay, we have a white, a red, and a white. It's a white. Oh! Gewurztraminer. Whoa. White, white, white. Yes, it's a white. Semillon. It's spelled S E M I L L O N. Karen's holding up both her tokens. Okay, so Colin says white, Karen says red, semillon. Chris says red. It's a red. Yeah! I thought it was going to be a trick. That's why I was like, maybe it's a rosé. <laughs> Real white. <laughs> Zinf- false. Zinfandel. So Colin says white. Karen says white. Chris says red. It's a red. Oh, I was You're thinking of white Zinfandel. And that's a pink. That's a rosé. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I figured that if you went for rosé, that, that, that would count as a I know. white. And one last one. Dolcetto. Okay, that means sweet. Colin says white. Karen says red. Chris says red. It's a red. Yeah! Italian red. Good job, you guys. All right, perfect score. All right. Chris, <laughs> as predicted. As predicted. You guys did really well, too. Okay, well, I mean, I know you've all been waiting for this, but we, of course, have an update. Where's uh, our music quiz? The status of our missing quiz. Listeners, you may not know this, but uh, two weeks ago, two episodes ago, we had a music quiz that was actually stolen. Purloined. Purloined. Shanghaied. <laughs> By the clearly satirical um, <laughs> and rela- in no way related to who you're thinking about, yeah. international thief Carmen San Mateo. Oh, man. O- originally, Carmen San Mateo had run away to Tokyo, Japan, where listeners tracked her down. And then we ended up getting a clue there from an informant who let us know that one of the crooks in Carmen San Mateo's gang, the singer slash natural food additives aficionado Mama Castorium had stolen off and uh, gave us a clue as to how to find her. And we can now reveal the answer to that. And the question was, of course, that Mama Castorium had left us a sandwich by which we meant we needed to find the meat of a particular farm animal, and then we needed to find a word for the noises that another farm animal makes. And if we put word one right into the middle of word two... Like a word know, sandwich. Well, a word sandwich, we would know the country <laughs> um, to which Mama Castorium had escaped. As it turns out... Bahamas. Exactly. <laughs> so the Bahamas. We take the word ham and put it into the middle of the word baz, which are the noises that sheep make. We get Bahamas. We, of course, immediately jetted off to the Bahamas, sparing no expense. Yeah. Thanks, Kickstarter. <laughs> <laughs> and where Mama Castorium was performing. We busted in on her show, and this was what ensued. We made sure to record it for you. Ladies and gentlemen, for one night only, Miss Mama Castor. That tangy taste of berry secreted while it's marking its territory. I can't help it, it's just no use. I dream of anal beaver 
We have special guests. Yes, Brainiacs, you've caught me. Take me away. But I am sorry to say I am not in possession of your quiz. Tell me, have you ever sat dreaming up at the night sky, gazing at Orion or Cassiopeia? You know, sailors used to navigate by the North Star, but do you know, detectives, what stars have guided hungry travelers for nearly a century? Carmen is in the country where those stars were first observed. Thank you, and good night. Yeah, it was a little awkward busting in on a live performance like that. But we got it. We got to find out this quiz. But Mama Castorium is safely in custody. However, she did not have our quiz. So what did she say? Hungry travelers. What stars have been guiding hungry travelers? Look, I'm sure it's something, and I'm sure our <laughs> listeners can help us figure this out, because yeah. I've done enough thinking yeah. for today, yeah. quite frankly. Yeah. You can email us at gjb.podcast at gmail.com if you think you have the solution, uh, if you think you know what uh, country Carmen San Mateo has absconded to again with this quiz that we can never seem to get back. And, Karen, you've put up a special webpage at goodjobbrain.com. Yep, you can see there's a link of Carmen San Mateo on the right side, mm-hmm. and you can click on it. Right, and pay absolutely no attention to any resemblance that uh, Carmen San Mateo may or may not possess to any other fictional thieves. Not, yeah. not infringing anything, guys. Nope. I hope she goes somewhere cool. <laughs> I want to go on another vacation. <laughs> vacation time. Yeah. All right, and that's our show. Thank you guys for joining me and thank you guys listeners for listening in hope you guys learned a lot about colors animals and more and you can find us on zoom marketplace on itunes on stitcher and also on our website which is goodjobbrain.com and check out our sponsor at bonobos.com and we'll see you guys next week bye all trivia nerds Brittany here and i host the family road trip trivia podcast with my best friend meredith is your next car ride looking like a snooze fest we've got the cure three rounds of awesome trivia every week harry potter disney science sports you name it no more silent car troubles the family road trip trivia podcast connect laugh and learn with your kids big and small New episodes every week wherever you get your podcasts. Search for the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast.